Are you new to coaching? Starting out as a coach can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when you aren't given much direction from your administration. That's why I created the New Coaches Playbook. It includes a roadmap to help you start building your coaching foundation and a guide to seven podcast episodes in order that will give you the steps and ideas you need to build relationships, define your role, communicate with your admin, and make a plan to start coaching. Coach, what's your instructional coaching personality type? Have you ever wondered what superpowers make you a really strong coach? and what areas you can strengthen with just a little bit of direction? Well, now you can find out. I created the What's Your Instructional Coaching Personality Type Quiz to help you answer this very question. Just head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q to take the two-minute quiz and get your coaching personality type sent right to your inbox. Even better, you'll get a playlist of podcast episodes handpicked just for you to help you hone your superpowers and strengthen your areas of growth. I'm so excited to share this quiz with you, so don't wait to take it. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q and learn so much about your coaching style. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 119 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today, we're digging into one of my favorite topics. It wasn't always my favorite, but it is now. <laughs> Planning collaboratively collaboratively with teachers. This has become one of my favorite topics after years of coaching experience. It used to be my favorite thing to stress about. I want to paint you a picture of my first planning session with a group of teachers when I was a brand new coach, new to the school. It's a true story. My first day of planning PLCs was a disaster, and it made me want to leave coaching and retreat back to my fourth grade classroom where at least I knew what I was doing. It was rough. I had my room set up. I had what I hoped was a collaborative space created with large tables and places for people to put their planning materials. I had made these cute little treats out of Rolos and Hershey Kisses that look like pencils. That is literally where I spent my time preparing for this meeting. I had reviewed the resources that teachers would be looking at, like the district curriculum planning resources. I know what we had gone through in professional development for the past several years in the district. So I kind of felt like we all had a similar idea about best practices. Um, I had some music playing. I had got a basket of snacks from the office and resources were organized so they'd be easy to access. And so what I envisioned was a group of teachers sharing ideas and each teacher leaving with their own plan that suited their classes' needs and their style. I had created a general lesson plan template that was loose enough to be adjusted to meet everybody's needs. Or so I thought, okay. The real answer to that was, nope, you did not. That is not the way it was going to work. What actually happened was there was a group of teachers complaining about the lesson plan format, informing me that they had no idea what we were supposed to be doing and saying that they were confused about, quote, the new practices the district was expecting that I thought had been in place for years. 
There was no prep done. They had not prepared at all. They did not bring their stuff. They didn't have background on the standards. They didn't have an understanding of the assessment. They had no idea about the framework that our district was using. The year was underway. It was like a few weeks in and they were already lost. And I felt absolutely obliterated because I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared to work with a group of teachers who I couldn't communicate with effectively because we did not share a vocabulary or have a common understanding of practices. We were all coming from different frameworks and we didn't know how to get on the same page. And so many teachers were overwhelmed and we didn't know how to build bridge that gap. The demands of the district, they felt like were unreasonably high and the school had undergone a lot of change. I share a little bit about how those structures for change supported us over time in episode four, but it was definitely a hard road to walk at first for all of us. So PLC planning days, which were Tuesdays, quickly became my least favorite days of the week. I felt stressed out, anxious, and I tended to over-prepare because at least my preparation was something I could control. Over time, the teachers and I developed a common language and a process for planning together. And honestly, it changed everything. I wasn't as anxious or nervous. And while I still spent a good amount of time preparing, that's just my nature. I didn't feel like we had to be prepared. I had to be so over-prepared because if I wasn't, everything would go off the rails. I just wanted to make good use of our time. And that's why I was so prepared. As a literacy coach, I met every two weeks with grade levels for 90 minutes to plan for the next two weeks of reading and writing. It took us a while to get to the place where we were planning for the following Monday and the two consecutive weeks rather than for the next day and the rest of that week. Short notice plans tend to be whatever you can throw together with minimum amount of of effort or preparation. And they do happen, but I didn't want that to be our norm, which meant that we had to kind of get ahead in our planning. It seemed impossible because we couldn't even plan for a full two weeks. So how were we ever going to get ahead? When it comes to PLCs, it's important to recognize the dynamics of the group and have some norms in place that will help your teams really work together smoothly. When we just expect that everyone will sort of understand what's expected in that group space, we are often disappointed and we could avoid so many misunderstandings if we're simply upfront, like really upfront and honest about what's expected and then use that to build norms together as a team. In my course, The Confident Literacy Coach, I teach my coaches how to work with group dynamics and respond to common problems, as well as how to create norms with their teams. But the most important thing you need to know right now is make sure that you do it. (laughs) Done is better than perfect. Norms that are maybe not perfect can be adjusted over time, but zero norms means you'll have zero agreement on the way that you're going to work together. In every planning session, this is roughly the steps that we follow to have a productive meeting. We don't need to do every step every time. If we're continuing a unit we've already started, we may be able to skip some of the steps. And the way the steps look can be different depending on the team you're working with. For example, one of the steps I'm going to share is build background knowledge. Depending on your teachers, you may be able to have a teacher share their knowledge about the upcoming unit or model a brief lesson provide a short guide of key points, watch a video, or do a vocabulary activity. It just really depends on what your teachers need. Something else to consider is what resources your school or district already provide. It can be really easy to feel like you have to reinvent the wheel all of the time, but that might not be realistic. And you may already have documents that dig into the standards or disaggregate test questions by standard. You may not need to create those from scratch if they're already out there. 
So let's look about how I go, look at how I go about planning with teachers. It might seem like a lot, but some of these steps can be bundled or very brief, depending on where your school is at in this process. First, we start with the standards, then we understand the assessment. After that, we build background knowledge, then we brainstorm learning targets, from there we brainstorm ideas, and then we sequence the ideas and add detail and resources. So there you go. Have fun planning. I'm just kidding. I know that's a lot. <laughs> Let's look at each step in the process. And remember, if you want the whole, whole, whole detailed process, including the prepare to plan guide, the planning mats, and other planning tools for reading and writing, go to confidentliteracycoach.com and join the course. It's open right now, and you can learn this process in depth in lesson five of module six. It might be like my favorite module and lesson in the whole thing because it's about working with PLCs to collaboratively plan. And I think I love it because I feel like I earned it because it was so hard for me at first. And then it became so great. So let's start with the standards. We do this first because it's important to know what it is that we're there to teach. Standards would also tell you about the tools sometimes that you have to use to teach them, such as like number lines or manipulatives or songs or acting out with materials. Together, we review the curriculum and identify what students need to know and do by the end of the unit. Some standards are going to be more essential than others, okay? Maybe they're requisites for something really important or they're a real challenge and students must master them this year. So you might wanna spend a little more time there. In my planning guide, I always mark these with a star. If people don't quite understand them totally yet, you'll be able to address that with the next two steps. So don't get too hung up on it. Um, you're going to deeper understand the standards by exploring a couple different things to help you get there. The second step is to understand the assessment. As a coach, I created campus-based assessments that were aligned both to our end-of-year curriculum and the units we were working through per our district curriculum. Making those on the fly was a lot to keep up with. So one year, I took the ones that we'd already made and I improved them and revised them. And I made one for each unit for the next year. We even had copies made over the summer, so we could just grab and go when school started. We literally had a class set of each assessment copied over the summer, and then I stored them in these big bins in my coaching room, and it was a huge improvement, and I'm so glad we did it. It saved us massive amounts of time, and it gave us a point to start with whenever we were planning for our unit. So we would look over these test questions and the release test questions that aligned with the unit we were starting. Our state, Texas, has free documents at leadforward.com that help you break down the STAR tests. But other states may have some as well that you can grab for free somewhere, or maybe you have to purchase them, but I'm sure they're out there. Before Lee Forward started to provide these broken down questions, I broke the test down myself using an answer key that identified the standards. I took old release tests and I labeled, this is how I did the process, I labeled each question with the standard, like I literally wrote on the test, and then I cut the questions up and I sorted them into piles. And then I typed each one up and I basically had one page per standard, you know, roughly. It took a while, okay, but teachers appreciated having that so much because they could focus their verbal questioning, their written questioning, and their academic vocabulary on the right types of questions and words that, so, that really suited each standard because they knew what was being held expected of them by the end of the year. I loved it too because it helped me create really great and um, uh, really great tests that matched what the assessment was going to be. And it was easy for me to go back and say, okay, this is how we need to frame our learning around the standard because this is what they're looking for. This is 
also a good place to review any associated data. We'll talk about data reviews in the next episode, like a really in-depth data review, but helping teachers just see where their kids have traditionally struggled and excelled can be an easy way to focus the learning in this component of your PLC planning. Once teachers have reviewed the assessment and made observations, you want to build their background knowledge. This is especially important for teens in certain situations. Teachers who are new to the grade level, teachers who are new to teaching, teachers who have not seemed to understand the concepts before, um, if you have new standards, or when the test is new or different. There are several different ways to build background knowledge with teachers, and um, I actually talk about that in one of the previous episodes on the podcast. We look at how you can build uh, background knowledge and a common language with your teachers. And I feel like it's so essential. That was one of the biggest gaps that I had as a new coach. We were not speaking the same language. We did not share a language. We did not share an understanding of practices. We did not have like a strategy bank. It was just, we were just like starting from scratch. And so I feel like building that common language was such an essential way to support teachers and to make sure that, that they were able to communicate effectively. So that episode is episode 13, and you can check that out. That's from season one of the podcast, why and how to build common long, uh, content knowledge and common language. So there's some ideas for you in there. But here are a few of my favorites that you can use during your PLC planning process. One of them is called quick intros. It's just the basic things you need to know. This is a simple bulleted list that I would prepare before PLCs with the highlights about the upcoming unit. So for example, in literary nonfiction unit, I'd have a bulleted list of characteristics. I might have a graphic organizer that would work, like a quick sketch of that. I might have a few quick titles that would be helpful. Just basic things people need to know about what you're coming up on. Another way to build background knowledge is with a vocabulary activity. So for example, a card match with definitions and words that have to be matched up is a good way to have teachers talk about the meanings of academic language, and it only takes a minute. For example, in a poetry unit, I'd provide definitions of the types of poetry that we're about to work with, as well as the structures and features such as stanza, line, and figurative language. You can also use a content building guide, and I have a couple of those in my store that you can check out. Um, they are content building guides for PLCs, and they give you some basic background information. I believe the ones I have are about um, reading strategies. So you can check those out if that's something that you're focusing on, about comprehension, explicit comprehension instruction. After you build background knowledge, it's time to think about what learning targets kids will need to be exposed to in order to do the learning. So this is about breaking down the standard and thinking about requisite knowledge and skills. Kids who are going to explain the author's purpose for including figurative language will first have to identify the figurative language they find in a poem and explain what it means. They won't be able to understand why an author might include it if they don't know what it is or what it represents. It's about thinking about the building blocks of the standard and how you can best help kids build their understanding throughout your unit. After you've brainstormed the learning targets, it's time to brainstorm ideas that would help you teach each target in a way that's meaningful and effective. In literacy, we think of mentor texts and engaging activities to help students have anchors for their learning. Incidentally, that's what an anchor chart is supposed to be. It's supposed to come from an anchor activity or a lesson that helps kids go back to that if they're starting to drift away in their understanding and kind of forget. I'm not saying never to use a poster and that they can't have a purpose, but sticking a poster on the wall and calling it an anchor chart doesn't actually anchor anybody to anything. <laughs> Planning for a subject like reading and writing can be difficult because so much goes into it. I can remember 
the math people would come out of their planning looking refreshed and they'd, you know, well, we introduced a couple of strategies and, you know, we're following these days from the, the um, scope and sequence and it was all pretty much done for them. And I was like, oh, so frustrated because <laughs> they were using STEM scopes for science. They were using all this stuff that was pretty much put together. And in reading, I felt like we were building our program, you know, using certain components, smaller components of programs, like a phonics program that was already done. Certain things were already in place, but the bulk of our like shared reading, read aloud lessons, that was, we were developing that from scratch. It was a lot of work. So as you're thinking about your activities, keep in mind where they go in your reading components. If your kids need phonemic awareness activities and you don't have a curriculum, which I recommend that you do, you'll want to have a special spot in your schedule to teach that. If it's decoding strategies, where will that go? Where do your reading comprehensions lessons go? You know, probably in your read aloud. Regardless of what structure you follow, make sure that your schedule is broken into the components that are essential and then have your lesson plans reflect those components so people know what they're doing at different times of the day. Once you've got your ideas, sequence them on a calendar with a learning target for each day. Make sure that they are logical and follow a sequence that will help students build an understanding in their brains. Choose your resources and add a little meat to the plans in order to support the teachers in delivering them. I know some people who used to create a whole lesson plan and they would have the questions that they were going to ask in a separate box on the plan. And that never made any sense to me. Why wouldn't you plug in the questions in the place where you're going to ask them in the plan. Like if, if a question is so essential, you have to write it out verbatim. When are you going to ask it? That's like a time sensitive thing. It's, are you going to ask it before reading? Are you going to ask it during? Is this a question that you're going to ask kids at the end of the lesson to reflect on what they learned? Plug it into the plans, do one, two, three, four, five, and put it in there. I feel like that's, that makes a lot more sense to me. So make sure your lesson plan is actually going to help the people deliver the lessons, not just a little like check. I turned in a lesson plan so they can get off my back. <laughs> So those are the six steps for planning. And I know it was a lot. You can get all the details in my course at confidentliteracycoach.com. And like I mentioned in, mod in module six, lesson five. Nope. Yes. <laughs> module six, lesson five. I know it can seem overwhelming to plan with a team, but making an effort to follow these steps will pay off and PLC becomes so much more manageable. So if you're not sure if collaborative planning during PLC is even part of your job, I really want you to check out this free webinar that I have for you at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar with a capital W to walk you through the process of defining your role so you have clarity and have that conversation with your, your principal so you know what's being expected of you. Do you plan collaboratively with teachers? I would love to hear from you. Take a quick photo during your next planning session and tag me on Instagram at buzzingwithmissbeat. I love planning with teachers now, and I cannot wait to see your photos. It's like my happy place. Do you want to learn more? Check out episode seven, planning collaboratively before, during, and after PLC. Learn how to prepare and how to follow up on planning with the before and after steps. Episode 13 is building content in common language. It's my favorite strategies for building a common language with teachers. And episode 14 is how aligning instructional strategies can support coaching work. This is a good one. Everybody gets scared whenever we talk about alignment. Everybody's afraid that we're not going to have any original originality or independent thought. But aligning strategies is a great way to support your coaching work as well as supporting student learning. So check that one out. Next week, episode 120, we're continuing our monthly focus on what do you do here anyway <laughs> by taking a look at data. Data can drive our coaching work and it's 
so important that we have a purposeful and useful approach for reviewing data with teachers so that it actually impacts their teaching. So join me next week for this episode that's coming up. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.